Liebe Hörerinnen und Hörer, die nächsten Wochen möchte ich gerne eine Studie über den Podcast Modellansatz durchführen. Das mache ich, Anna Hein, im Rahmen meiner Masterarbeit am Karlsruher Institut für Technologie. Ich bin Studentin der Wissenschaftskommunikation und möchte für meine Masterarbeit herausfinden, wer den Podcast Modellansatz hört und wie und wofür er genutzt wird. Dazu würde ich gerne einige Interviews mit Hörerinnen und Hörern führen. Die Interviews werden anonymisiert und werden jeweils ca. 15 Minuten in Anspruch nehmen. Bei Interesse können Sie sich unter der E-Mail-Adresse studie.modellansatz.web.de bis zum 20. Februar 2020 bei mir melden. Ich würde mich sehr freuen, wenn Sie an meiner Studie teilnehmen möchten. Herzlich Willkommen zum Modellansatz, der mathematische Podcast aus Karlsruhe mit Gudrun Täter und Sebastian Ritterbusch. Hallo Mariana Haragus. <lacht> You are a guest at our faculty because this week we have the conference on mathematics of wave phenomena of our SFB here in Karlsruhe. And it's quite a big thing because there are like 250 persons. Um, I don't want to say running because they are more like slowly walking. <laughs> but nevertheless, a lot of people in our building uh, which are just guests and vanish uh, to listen to lectures in the middle and then they um, meet afterwards again, things like that. And um, I also took the uh, opportunity to listen to a few of the lectures which interested me. And um, my fancy was caught by a lecture about Rayleigh Bernard convection because uh, I love this topic very much. And um, this is a thing which I, for example, like to bring to students which are still at school because they can relate to the observation and to to see kind of the process that you have first something you're observing, which you can repeat. Uh, so it's something which is like a law. And then you have to find the right equations and the equations kind of develop over time. And then there is someone who can work with the equation and prove that what you observe is really in the equations, which was like 1916. So it's like 100 years ago. <laughs> and still we have so many open questions on this topic. And so this is a topic which I really like to talk about. And um, I'm working on that a little bit myself. And so I was kind of interested in your results. And um, it was also kind of interesting to remember a lot of the tools which you presented um, that I had to use them like 15 years ago for my first paper. <laughs> so um, that's why I, in I invited you um, for a conversation about your research here in my office. And you kindly agreed, which I like very much. Um, but um, discussing uh, what we want to talk about, we found out that for you, Rayleigh-Bernard convection is just one application for some uh, bigger topic, which is dynamics of nonlinear waves and patterns. Of course, pattern formation is for the, the Rayleigh-Bernard pattern is kind of the one classical where we have the feeling we understood everything, at, at least in the classical setting. Uh, but pattern formation, it's, it's also a wonderful topic where you kind of have, you know, you need numerics, you have to understand the analytical side, you need physical examples for that. And then you even in that mathematics, you feel that sometimes you have really algebraic tools, which lead to uh, 
understanding pattern formation, sometimes not. And so this is also kind of a fascinating thing. So um, what um, would be the common feature in all of your um, nonlinear waves and pattern formation um, which combines your research? Well, so I would say I'm interested in these topics for, for different applied problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first problem I got interested in, it was during my PhD, it was the water wave problem, which is a wonderful problem. You just see it, the sea, and uh, the question is, where are these waves coming from? How do these waves look like? And uh, how do they behave? So this is one of the topics which is mathematically described by a very particular class of equations, which are dispersive equations. And then another topic, it was, uh, as you said, pattern formation, so uh, which we see patterns everywhere around us in nature. So you have animal skins, you have... Uh, uh, even our fingerprints, and uh, they are everywhere, the patterns in the Rayleigh-Bernard convection, which is an experiment, but mm. uh, you see them very well, different types of patterns. And uh, mathematically, these are described by, by a different class of partial differential equations, which are rather dissipative problems, so they have different properties. And in fact, more recently, I got interested in um, in another types types of applications coming from optics. So this is because of my colleagues in Besançon who are doing a lot of experiments in optics, and uh, they have nice experiments there, and they observe waves as well, which are in that, uh, their case optical signals, solitons, and the questions. For all these problems, the mathematical questions are, I would say, the same. The first question we ask, the simplest ones, and they concern once the existence of the waves which are observed in these very particular applications, then the stability of these waves. So existence is clear. Do they can we find them as a particular solution of a certain partial differential equation? Stability means if I perturb these solutions, this solution slightly, what will happen with it? Will it be destroyed? In this case, we have an instability. Will it preserve its properties? In this case, we have a stability. And then there are more complicated mathematical questions than this, which are interactions of all these waves and... So these are the kinds of problems I'm interested in. And uh, so these are the common questions for all these three types of applications coming from different fields. And uh, the methods I'm using are also common. It turns out that these methods are quite efficient and they work for all these three types of problems. Of course, not directly. You, just, you have to adapt them to the context. And uh, they are method coming from the theory of dynamical system, which is a fascinating theory, uh, dynamical systems and bifurcation theory. So where you try to see at what time, for what parameter value, something changes in the behavior of a system. It is what's happening in nature. 
and what are the changes and what is the influence for, for the full system. Mm. So in principle, a, dy a dynamical system in, as a mathematical object would have the form that you have some um, quantity which changes over time and you can express uh, how this change over time is depending on the quantity itself mm. and other forces or parameters, even material parameters, which would be yeah, physical parameters. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes if um, colleagues want to talk down to dynamical system, they say this is just an ordinary differential equation. In the sense, yes. you know, they themselves so these are more complicated This is a class of dynamical systems, which yeah. are the ordinary differential yeah. equations, where, where we have a theory which goes back to Poincaré and... Last century, a long time ago, as you said, for the mm. Rayleigh-Benard yeah. problem. Uh, but nowadays, we we use these tools from dynamical systems also to to understand PDEs, and then we write a PDE as a dynamical system, meaning as a first-order system in some variable, and. Um, But this dynamical system is not an OD anymore. It's an infinite-dimensional OD. This is not correct if I'm saying this to mathematicians. They no, no, it's not correct this. at all. Yeah. But it's an evolution problem mm -hmm. in an infinite-dimensional phase space. And uh, this is much more complicated to, to handle. Yeah, but of course it lends itself um, to modeling everything which develops over time. So if you have an idea um, what forces are driving the development, you can try to um, define this operator or this equation, yeah. so which are just kind of the same thing, just writing it in different ways. Um, and then uh, to see, for example, the long-time behavior, it's always one question, or you are more interested in the places where you can um, expect some surprising changes. Exactly. And also I... For the existence problems, when I'm looking for these types of uh, of solutions, mm -hmm. of particular solutions, um, we this is a method which goes back to a German mathematician, Klaus Kirchkesner, in the 80s, so who had the idea to to treat the existence problem, where you have no time, so no evolution, uh, as a dynamical system but in which you look at the time, at the space, one spatial variable as a time variable. And then you have a dynamical system for which the evolution is ill-posed in the sense of initial value problem, but still you can use methods from the theory of bi from bifurcation theory and dynamical systems and analyze solutions, particular solutions of this spatial dynamical system. And this method is called spatial dynamics, And uh, it turns out that it is very efficient to, to construct particular traveling waves or steady waves or even more complicated structure for the partial differential equations, for nonlinear partial differential equations. Mm. Now, the one funny thing is that um, you kind of <laughs> hand-waving you told us at the very beginning that you are dealing with problems which um, looking at them from the point of view of a partial differential person um, they are opposite ends of a spectrum of problems where you wouldn't expect that there is any connection so if I'm working with something which is um, dissipative uh, I'm on the elliptic side 
and most of the methods rely on the fact that everything is kind of damped down and that um, in the process everything is kind of strongly connected to each other and this is something like um, heat um, radiation things like that and then on the absolutely other end you have the hyperbolic problems which could be um, dispersive yeah and the wave equation yeah with the wave equation which has absolutely other properties and nevertheless with this um, dynamical systems approach you kind of connect them yeah it turns out that it can be used for both type of type of problems when we look for particular solution mm -hmm. and it's more this spatial dynamics idea which uh, works for, for both problems. Mm. So this dynamical systems approach doesn't work for dispersive problem if we want to look at the temporal dynamics, mm. but for the spatial dynamics, it works very well there. Yeah, yeah also because the question, of course, is to find something uh, which might, might be rare to observe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is one of the purpose to, to start from an observed object and to try to find it as a solution of a partial differential equation so it's what I'm trying to do with different collaborators so mm. I'm not working alone this is something to be said <laughs> so um, and uh, this is the first question try to find the object and then to study further its properties yeah uh, so what would be um at the most elementary example for the problems with um, waves in optical um, context? Uh, in optical context, so they are the usually the, I would say, the typical partial differential equation used in optics is the nonlinear Schrodinger equation, uh, which uh, has the particularity that it's integrable, so we can. I priori compute explicitly every solution of this equation, just that the formulas could be very complicated, so we could not really use all this. And um, then for the particular application I'm working in, it's an equation which is a variant of this nonlinear Schrodinger equation, which is called the Lugiato-Lefebvre equation, which is it's quite a younger equation compared to standard equations, uh, standard other PDEs like Kortevec de Vries or mm. nonlinear Schrödinger, and um, in which there are quite a lot of solutions. There is a full zoology of solutions, which are periodic waves. So this means periodic solutions, periodic functions depending upon one spatial variables, or solitons, which are localized functions depending upon, uh, again, upon one spatial variables. So this is a simpler situation of a one-dimensional setting. But uh, you can also have, uh, you, you also encounter this equation as a model also in two dimensions, so where the unknowns are two-dimensional, then the problems became much more complicated. And it's what's happening in the pattern-forming system, like uh, the Rayleigh-Bernard convection problem or the Taylor-Quet problem, where we find uh, Navier-Stokes equations. Uh, and also, 
there is a toy problem which is quite a lot studied in this context, which is the Swift-Hornberg equation. So uh, when looking at these equations in two dimensions, one can find a lot of particular solutions which look very nice. The simplest ones are so-called Rolls solutions. These are actually one-dimensional solutions. So they are periodic solutions, and when you plot them in two dimensions, you just get something which looks like a sequence of Rolls. But then, at some point, there is a bifurcation, something changes in the dynamics of the system, and these roles change, they are changed to something else. So you can find squares, hexagons, or what I'm more interested in in this context are some defects, so-called defects, uh, like domain walls or grain boundaries, it depends on mm -hmm. the terminology, where you have... Uh, two roles with different orientations which come together and in between you have uh, something which is a defect. defect. Mm. So in the classical setting um, you would um, so like very linearized which is not um, as in real life but uh, it's the easiest problem uh, to study. You would have like a homogeneous structure of solutions. So like these roles which are all the same size and repeat themselves infinitely often mm -hmm. or hexagons Right. Yeah, things like that. And this, this would fill the whole space which is in, inside the problem. But of course, life doesn't really work that way. Exactly. And, and it's nonlinear. Non yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> nonlinear. And this um, introduces the possibility that kind of different patterns coexist. Uh, exactly. And, and the question is how? <laughs> yeah, in nature, things are, do not always start with a nice homogeneous solutions. Mm. Initial data are often quite uh, yeah. complicated so this leads then to more complicated patterns yeah, yeah. also um, you have the influence of the boundary so if you have like a, just a round dish uh, round is very optimal but then a real dish is maybe not optimally round exactly so this is quite a difficulty that yeah. I often like to forget about it <laughs> and instead of working on a finite domain to work on an infinite, infinite. domain mm -hmm. so we, where you have much freedom for this. Yeah. Because then you just uh, let the problem define what is the cell which it likes best. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was a fascinating thing for me to uh, see that uh, with the Rayleigh-Bernard problem, you have this one, so that kind of two things. One thing was that um, there first were the experiments in 1903 of Bernard, mm -hmm which kind of fascinated a lot of people so that it really made an impact. And shortly after they had the equation and then the, um, like um, 13 years later, it was clear why things worked. But <laughs> the person doing the modeling, Sir Rayleigh, um, had a completely different problem solved. <laughs> Nobody really noticed because it was just a tiny thing. It was the boundary condition. And only very much later, like 50 years later, people found out that if... What Bernard, of course, did was he had a free boundary. Uh, because if you have the pot on the oven, then you have a boundary to the surface, which, which is, is like, free. It's yeah. free and has surface tension and everything. And this really very much drives the process which is observed. And uh, what uh, Rayleigh did was he had zero boundary conditions kind of fixed. So there was no possibility to move outside the domain. And so he solved a, a different problem. But it was similar enough that it was not obvious 
but um, only later it was clear that it was a, a different one. And then uh, this was kind of the first thing that I found this really fascinating. And then the second thing is that, so why uh, do we always think if we want to um, repeat the experiments that we don't really think about all these possibilities on the boundaries? So we have learned this the hard way that the boundary is really important and that in a real experiment, the boundary is never uh, as we would like it to be. And so very often hope. So it's to be expected that it has very much influence on the pattern formation. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and we will never be able to really resolve that with mathematical <laughs> possibilities. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> we have to live with that. Yeah, so as mathematician, we also we often start with much simpler equation yeah. than this problem, as I said, from yeah. a toy problem like the Swift-Holmberg mm-hmm. equation, and try first to understand what's happening there for the dynamics and then to try to transfer it to the real governing equation coming from the the concrete problem, which is often, uh, I would say, always a very technical thing. So it's extremely technical and you sometimes also need some luck for these things to work. Yeah. No, what what I like about the Rayleigh Bernard is also that um, you can reformulate it as an eigenvalue problem, and this has some some beauty in it uh, where you can finally use a lot of uh, nice tools, but you completely lose all of that if you change just a tiny bit in the problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating problem. Yeah. So, uh... also what I kind of um, it's very educational as a person, you know, just dealing with everyday life, that you have something to show for that you've just put something on the oven, it's heated from below, and it's, of course, cooled from above because it just has the temperature of the room. And um, uh, you don't really see anything happening because the first solution of the system is that that nothing moves and just the temperature is distributed evenly in all the layers. And you could believe this to be the only solution because you observe it for quite a long time until the moment when it changes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you uh, can study this in your qui- uh, kitchen. Yeah, you can study Very this in your kitchen, <laughs> yes. And you even use it in order to wait, for example, if you put oil on the oven to decide when it's the time to put in the meat because something should, you know, shouldn't be able to see the bottom anymore. Yeah, something is starting to move yeah, in, then the it's hot in the fluid. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, so and this... Um, kind of um, bifurcation things and instabilities, finding them. Uh, it's really important for a lot of application, but it's also important to understand this is a usual thing which happens in life. Right. <laughs> things are like they are for a certain amount of time under certain conditions, and then they can change like... So, uh, so I'm completely with you in your fascination. That's <laughs> the topic. Um, where was your um, kind of first step into this um, realm of um, dynamical system and pattern formation? Actually, I did my studies in Romania, so where I more studied pure mathematics, and then I had the opportunity to go to Nice. And uh, there I met Gerarios, who became then my PhD advisor. And it's through him and the group of people in East that I discovered the dynamical systems and uh, all this fascinating world of applications. So, so it was kind of um, where you uh, went 
in order to continue your studies. And uh, you were more fascinated by um, going somewhere where something is happening, not so much by the topic itself. Uh, no, it was the topic itself. It was the topic. Actually, what I wanted to study um, were PDEs and mm. applied PDEs. So to try to understand, to relate my mathematics to some concrete problem where I can see something, and then to what I see in this concrete problem, in this application, like mm. the Rayleigh-Banal problem or in the water wave problem, where they also see a mm. lot of interesting things and which also has a fascinating history, to, um, uh, to find these things in a mathematical way in a PD. So uh, doing PDs, uh, researching PDs, it was one of... Mm. It is what I wanted to do Yes. after my master. And um, of course, if you are very young and um, you have just the experience of your own study course and then you go somewhere else, of course, it's it's always really impressive. But um, did you feel um, cultural changes between your homeland and uh, France? Not really, just that people were speaking French. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> And sometimes very fast, <laughs> but uh, um, not really, no. Well, that's why it was quite comfortable. Sorry? So it was quite comfortable for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, so also from the language, because Romanian, I'm coming from Romania, and mm. Romanian is also a Latin language, and I had to learn French in school. So then I rediscovered the French I more or less learned in school. Mm. No, that's kind of a funny thing for us because we expect always people to speak English uh, in order to, you know, do common research or even go for vacations. Mm. And um, with the French people, sometimes <laughs> they just speak French. <laughs> <laughs> But they also speak English. Yeah, yeah, it changes a lot during the last years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the students now, I, mm -hmm. I already met... A lot of students, they wanted to go to, to study in England or abroad mm. in Europe where the teaching was in English and uh, also in order to, to better speak English. Yeah, no, that's the thing that we very much uh, rely on the fact that when we are sending our students abroad that there would be a possibility to learn, uh, listen to lectures in English. And so also we provide, of course, lessons in English for people coming from somewhere. Um, but uh, the expectation to really learn the language of the country good enough to follow mathematical lectures is not really a common thing. <laughs> okay, and um, after your time in Nice, uh, um, how did your career proceed or what were your decisions after that? So then I did my PhD in Nice mm -hmm. with Chirayos, as I said, and uh, on the water working on the water wave problem. And uh, during my PhD, in fact, I started to work with a group of Klaus Kirchkesner in Stuttgart. And uh, so after this, I had the opportunity to, to go to Stuttgart. So I was uh, five years postdoc in Stuttgart, which was a great time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I went back to France and I obtained their position at first as an assistant professor in Bordeaux and uh, later associate um, full professor in Besançon. Yeah, so Besançon is not that far from Karlsruhe. It's not that far from Karlsruhe, and actually we have some collaborations mm. between Besançon and, and Karlsruhe, so it's less known than Bordeaux, but uh, 
it's a nice little town with a song. Mm. Um, what are topics you would like to understand in the next two to five years? Well, it's not clear. This change is always, uh, mm. even if I want to do something, then something com comes up. So, uh, so for the moment, I'm quite focused on these problems coming from nonlinear optics and uh, try to, to better understand the dynamics there. There are so many phenomena which... Uh, this was a um, special experience, I would say, a different experience because... Physicists studied a lot this problem, but it's very few it's known in the mathematics literature. So there are so many op open problems from the mathematical point of view uh, that it's also difficult to, to decide which problem to start work on. So this is one, uh, one thing. And uh, then trying to understand further these defects in the Rayleigh-Banner problem. So mm. transfer the results which were found from toy models for simpler equations to, to the Navier-Stock system. And I won't forget, uh, uh, I won't forget my, my first research topics, which are water waves, where there are some... I'm still interested in some stability problems there. So. Yeah. So thank you very much for You're taking welcome. the time. Yes. And um, if you have a collaboration with Carswell, there might be a possibility to talk in the future about new results. Yes, sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, for the invitation. Mm -hmm.